Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 158 of Parenting in Real Life. Today, we have an interview with Ashley Bartley, and she is an elementary school counselor. And today, we're talking about how to help kids learn to solve their own problems, how to help them with their emotions, and also how to teach them to be kind to others. We had a great conversation, so much great information from Ashley. You're definitely going to enjoy this interview. Before I get to the interview, I just want to let you know that last week we talked about Trumi's sale. Those are the phones for kids and that you get a free phone right now when you sign up. And it went through the 15th, but I just found out that they decided to extend the sale until the end of September. So if you didn't have a chance to grab a Trumi phone for your kid, you have a couple more days to do that. So by the end of September, you get a free phone when you sign up for Trumi. This is the great starting phone for kids. There's no social media. You can decide what apps that you want them to be able to have. It's a great way to start out and kind of ease them into having a phone. So if you're interested in that, we have a link in the show notes. Make sure you use the promo code Labor Day to get that free phone. And now to our interview with Ashley. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. All right, well, we are so excited to have Ashley Bartley with us today talking all about feelings and emotions. This is something that our family has been talking a lot about, too, so we are so excited to dive in. But before we get there, we would love for you to share about yourself to our audience. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So my name is Ashley Bartley. I am a school counselor at an elementary school. I'm also a curriculum writer, and I'm a children's book author. So lots of hats. I am also a mom of three little boys. I guess they're not so little anymore. They're 10, 8, and 6. And we live in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, kind of between Stanton and Charlottesville. I've been a school counselor for about 15 years primarily at the elementary school level. So I'm excited to chat with you all today. Yes. I help in the school a lot with like the PTA and we have an amazing school counselor and they just do so much. So I love that that that's your profession. Like I've just seen what a difference they can make, especially now with kids who are really struggling with anxiety and depression. And it just seems like kids are struggling more than they used to. So I know you're you have a big role in the school. So I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for the work you do with the PTA. I know that's a lot. (laughs) It's a a lot. And um, we really appreciate it at our school. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's fun. So Ashley, we have five kids and I feel like one thing we talk a lot about on the podcast is how can we make our kids more independent, right? We want to help our kids be successful without our help. And I know that you teach about how to help your child solve problems. So what are some some tips you would share with our listeners about that aspect of independence? That's a huge part of what I teach as a school counselor, actually, because, you know, I tell the kids, like, I am not always going to be there. Your grownups are not always going to be there right with you when you have a problem. And so the first thing I do is I try to help them to discern the size of the problem on their own so they can figure out whether it's something that they can do independently or whether it's something they need to ask help for. So in my classroom lessons, we do like escape rooms and things like that to learn the difference. But 
I try to teach that a small problem is one that they can handle on their own. And it doesn't mean that it's not important. It just means that at their age, they should be able to handle it. So maybe somebody isn't sharing with them or there's a piece of trash on the floor or someone didn't push it in their chair, you know, little things that they might typically come to you about and like tattle or whatever. I teach them that a small problem is one you should try to solve it first by yourself. Um, maybe you need to use your words or share or come up with like a win-win solution. We talk a lot about compromising. And then I say a medium-sized problem is one where it's not an emergency, but you need to deal with it right away and you might need a little bit of help. And so a good example of that would be like a spill. You know, they, they spill their milk on the floor. Okay, well, you need to deal with it right away, but nobody's in danger. It's okay to interrupt an adult for that. They might need to help you, but you might be able to do it on your own. And then a big problem would be one where you need help from an adult or from a friend. So, you know, if you see somebody's in danger or someone's not being safe or you feel like you're in danger, anything like that would be a big problem that you would go get help for. And so that I teach to try to like minimize tattling (laughs) so that they can do that on their own. And I actually wrote a children's book about it called Diamond Rattle Loves to Tattle. And in the book, the snake thinks she's trying to help out by always going and reporting things. And then she learns that there are certain things that she can take initiative for and handle on her own. So that's kind of where I start with solving problems is just discerning the difference so that they're not constantly coming to you for everything. I know that's like a huge thing that we push, at least in my school, just because there's only one teacher and there's usually like you know, anywhere up to 28 kids. And yeah, it, it would be a lot of like whack-a-mole if you're just constantly responding to kids. Right. Yeah. Yes. I love that. How do you know what is a, like, what is a small problem for a given age? You know, I think my tendency is to think like, oh my gosh, grow up, you can do this. You know, I think I try and maybe push them too far. So as a parent, is there a list or a rule of thumb or something that you use to say like, no, they really could be handling this on their own. Oh, that would be cool to have a list. I need to make, (laughs) I wish I had a list. I always just think back to that quote. I think it's like LM Montgomery, maybe that said, listen to your kids when they're little, when they have problems, because they'll kind of learn to come to you because to them, it has always been a big problem. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, if it's something that's important to them, you know, then it matters. And I try to to be there to support them, but I just use examples of things. And so, you know, in the classroom, like I'll get kids to kind of come up with things on their own, like, oh, you know, what kinds of things might be a problem that would be something that's like just annoying to you? Um, If it kind of falls in that category, like I said, there's a piece of trash on the floor, someone's not sharing, those kind of things are, you know, grade level, like lower elementary type things. And then... As they get older, you know, more toward upper elementary, fourth and fifth grade, it seems like it's more friendship, social drama. And to them, it does seem big. And so, you know, they'll come to you and usually what I'll do is I'll say, like, what have you tried already? And that'll get them thinking like, oh, they do have ownership in this problem. They could have tried things first. Mm-hmm. And we kind of listen to what 
they've tried. And if that didn't work, then I'd try to help them brainstorm other solutions so that I'm never really the one that's like saying, okay, this is how you solve this problem. This is what you need to do. Cause I, those are the skills I want them to learn. Like the problem solving, like thinking through the different options they have and then how they could solve it and which one might be the best solution. I love that. And I love that you have a book about it too, because I love children's books and I feel like that's a good way to kind of get those wheels turning, right? If you read about it and kind of talk about it with your kid and be like, okay, let's, you know, see how you can do that too. And they can just start seeing examples. Cause I think that's probably one of the hardest things is just, just getting them to see what it, what it looks like, you know? And so having yeah. a book and then talking through it, I feel like it's such a, a good way to, to help them start to figure that out. Yeah. yeah, it kind of normalizes their experience and it's very non-threatening. So, you know, a lot of times I might have kids in my office and I don't want to say like, this is the problem you have. And so instead we might read a story and I'll say, oh, you know, I kind of ask them how they relate to what's going on in the story. And usually that'll help them bring out, you know, different things they're experiencing and they can see they're not the only one that has that problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love this idea of enabling them to solve their own problems and not inserting yourselves. I think, and, and we've probably death spiraled ourselves here a little bit, but our kids, I think our kids do a lot better with their friends, but in the home, they want us to be the the police, right? Like they want us to, yeah. to provide justice. And so a lot of the tattling isn't like, I have a problem I want you to solve. It's like, I want them to be in trouble, you know? <laughs> and so I love this idea of turning it back on them and saying, this seems like a you problem. Like this seems like something you can fix. And so let's talk through it. What are your ideas? How, how are you going to fix this? It's summer. And so we're already feel it's our, our first week of summer. And so we are feeling the like, we're all with each other all day problems and, and already like people are pushing each other's buttons. But I love that idea of like, we have overreactors that come to us to get the other kid in trouble a lot. But I think if we pushed it back on them and said, wow, it sounds like you have a problem. How are you going to solve it? My hope is that they would stop coming to us, right? That, that overreaction. <laughs> stops because they know we're just going to turn it back on them and tell them to, to fix it. Yeah. And they'll probably still keep coming to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. the same thing going on in my house too. But I do sometimes I'll say like, are you trying to get someone in trouble or out of trouble? And that language, you know, helps them to see if it's tattling to get someone in trouble or if it's like reporting to actually solve a problem. Oh, I like but that. It, it is different when it's your own kids. <laughs> it does. It feels different. So, we actually have one of our kids kind of like talking, I feel like about with these problems, a lot of it is identifying emotions too, right? And I feel like at least I know me and it seems like a lot of people in our generation watching Instagram have really struggled to be able to identify and regulate our feelings and emotions and just to be able to say how we're feeling. And we know that it's an issue. We're trying to teach our kids, but we're struggling with it. And we're starting to see this in our kids too. I don't know how to teach it. And so actually one of our kids, we started doing group therapy with, and he's younger. So they're just trying to identify those emotions and talk through like how to handle them and stuff like that. So I would love to know what you would help, help parents to help teach this to our kids of how to help them regulate our kids' feelings. Yeah. And I love that one of your kids is doing group therapy. That's awesome to hear that, you know, just like normalizing that experience. Is that in the community or is that through school? Uh, yeah, it's through our doctor's office. They have teamed up with counseling and, and so they provide it just these different counseling sessions all the time, which is, and it ranges from like 
if you need help with anxiety or I think they're doing parenting classes and stuff, but they just have a lot of resources, which has been awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially now because it's so hard to find those in the community. I know like we refer kids, but the wait lists are always, you know, six or seven months. So that's great that that's actually offered through your pediatrician's office. I feel like our pediatricians are always referring kids back to me, but we don't provide therapy in the school. We can do like short-term things and groups, but not like, you know, intense therapy or anything. And as far as regulating emotions, like one thing that I start teaching, I mean, we start teaching feelings, you know, when they're little, but a big basis of my third grade curriculum, so around age eight or nine, are really like learning to recognize and identify emotions that you're having based on how your body responds to the feeling. Because a lot of kids, like they'll go to the clinic or they'll say their stomach hurts and it probably does, but they're not sick. It's anxiety, you know, or or anxious feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I try to teach how to just start recognizing, you know, when you're mad, how does your body feel? You like your Mm -hmm. fists are clenched, your teeth are clenched, everything's tight. Your cheeks are red because your heart is beating really fast. When you're worried, maybe you have racing thoughts. Again, like rapid heartbeat, sweaty hands, cold feet, whatever. And kind of picking up on that. And sometimes like I'll even give them like an outline of a of just a person and I'll say like draw on here, like where you feel mad. And they might like circle the hands or draw a heart or just draw like little things around the head to show like where it's happening. And that way, when they do feel like that, they can say, they can express to you or to someone like, I'm feeling mad right now, you know, because we can't always read their mind and we can read body language, but maybe they're mad because they're sad about something. And being able to say that, you know, then you can either like help give them space or they can just identify different things they can do to cope. Everybody copes differently. So talking with them about like, well, do you like to color? Do you like to write in a journal? Do you like to listen to music? Do you need to be more active and get outside and like run around or play basketball when you're angry to kind of get some of those feelings out? And maybe they'll do that instead of like taking it out on their siblings, (laughs) we hope. (laughs) But, you know, like some, some kids like to talk it out right away. Some kids might need more space. So you kind of learn your child as they learn themselves too to see what they need. I know for me, like if I'm mad, I need space. I just need to think about things, maybe write it out. And then I'm usually pretty good. I'm like over it, you know, but other people might, I mean, like my husband, he'll want to talk it out right away. And so that's something we had to learn about each other that, you know, that doesn't always mesh well. And so just kind of maybe me taking a moment, but then also understanding that we need to talk it talk it through. So again, like every kid is different. So just kind of helping them to figure out what it is that will help them through those emotions. And I mean, it's important that they know it's okay. You know, I tell the kids like, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad. All those feelings are normal. Everybody has them. I get mad. I get upset. I get worried about things, but it's just how you manage them is the most important part. Cause you don't want to ever hurt someone or break anything because of your feelings. Yeah. Again, I love that there's this focus on like helping them help themselves. Yeah. Right. They're, they're having emotions, but they need to figure out what works for them. I can't prescribe them because they're different. And, yeah. and so I can't say go run a mile because that might not work for them. They need <laughs> to kind of learn themselves. Yeah. And that's why I ended up moving to elementary. I started in middle school and I feel like they just had, I love middle school. I love the age where they can come in and flop down and and just talk. (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't have to do anything really creative to get to draw out the conversation. But I just feel like in middle school, they had so many lagging skills and they didn't know how to identify when they were being bullied or when a friend was being bullied. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to express themselves. And that's why I moved to elementary was just to focus more on like the teaching so that when they go to middle school, they'll have more of like a tool belt of ideas that they can try. Like you said, like there's not one fix all answer. And if you can have several options of things and you kind of know what works for you, you'll be more successful. Do you have any resources for parents like books or I don't know, or websites or anybody you like to follow? Or if you have something on your website too, of just maybe, I don't know, just examples of how we can work through some of these emotions with our kids. I always go back to books. I mean, I know I have a lot of like classroom lessons and things like that, but as far, you know, for parents, I would say books and stories are going to be the best examples of things. And it just depends on like what the topic is. Like if you're teaching kindness, you know, I have, I pulled out a couple books about kindness to share. Like this one is a good one for teaching those social skills because there aren't a lot of words in it. The kids just look at the pictures and it's like modeling examples of kindness. I think if they go to their local library, a lot of like social emotional type books are typically featured and like up on the shelves or they could just look up social emotional learning type books and that'll give for whatever topic it is. And they'll get a lot of great ideas. What was the name of that book? This one is called Be Kind and it's by Pat Miller. Okay. Okay. I love that one because it shows like, oh, you know what? (laughs) I got them backwards. I was right the first time. I Walk with Vanessa is the one that doesn't have words. Okay. But the Be Kind one is an example of a story where she kind of picks up on the emotions of another girl in her class Mm -hmm. and expresses empathy for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got those backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Our, Our elementary school just started a new program this week called Junior Hope Squad. This year? or this year, excuse me, and our daughter did it, where they trained this group of fifth and sixth graders on doing just that, like recognize when somebody's struggling and then there's some things that they can do to help. And sometimes it's, they need to refer them to an adult if it's serious. And so I love that idea of like, not only recognizing your own emotions, but starting to recognize other people's. Yeah, that's awesome. You said it's called the Junior Help Squad? They call it Hope Squad. Oh, Hope Squad. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I love that. It started here in Utah, but it's spreading all over the country and a lot of the schools are starting to implement it. But it's great because it starts in the elementary school and it works its way up to the high school. And it's a suicide prevention program. But in the elementary school, they just focus on just yeah helping kids who look like they need help and kind of what that looks like, and what they're looking for. And then that way, as they get older, they can start seeing more of these issues, you know, arise in the kids and people can recognize it and help it when they need help. Right. I mean, and refer them to adult. I think that's the thing is like, you're not, they don't want the kids helping these kids, but they want them to refer them to some a professional who can help them. But yeah, I love that. That gives me goosebumps just hearing yeah. about it. I love that. I love that they learn to approach kids that look like they might need a little bit of help because I think some kids sometimes are hesitant to do that. They don't want to get someone in trouble or they don't want to be in trouble themselves, especially with like anything happening online. You know, they don't want to get their device taken away if they see something that somebody posts online or just normalizing, like going to an adult about it. It's great. I love that. Yeah. And I, that is something that I found this year is my daughter has a friend who was struggling. Like her dad has cancer 
And so she's just been sad all the time. And she just was debating like, oh, do I, do I tell a teacher about her? I don't want to get in trouble or her to know that it was me. And, and then I told her, I was like, you're on junior hope squad. That's what this is for. Like, this is, this is what you get to do, you know? And yeah. like, no one's going to know it was you. It's anonymous. But I think just having her in that role, I just kind of helped her like, this is what you can do to help her. And this is what that program is for, which was great. Is that she can kind of like be under the umbrella of that program rather than just like struggling as a friend of not knowing what to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that it sounds like it works both ways. It helps both people because she's learning those skills for helping out a friend too. Yeah. yeah that's for awesome. sure. Yeah. For sure. So along those lines where you're just talking about kindness, how can we encourage more kindness in our kids? This is something that I feel like I'm telling my kids every day. <laughs> like we need to be kinder in this family. <laughs> I feel like, for the most part, they're pretty kind to their friends. I mean, you know, you want you want to keep your friends and stuff, but man, kindness among siblings is really an issue. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> Definitely hard. I think the best thing you can do is model kindness. Anytime you can show them things you can do, because you can scream until you're exhausted, but just showing them things. I have been trying so hard in the last few years to drill, like holding the door open for people behind you to my boys. Because they come with me to school. So I'm constantly like walking behind them, holding a million things. And there's a line of teachers behind me and they're all holding a million things. And my kids just have their backpacks and their lunchbox and they're running up ahead. And they'll open the door and like run in. (laughs) So I'm like, walk around the door, hold it open. And so I will point out to them, like we were at the library yesterday and a man like a, an older gentleman held the door open for them. And I said, see what that was like, that he held the door open because he saw us coming and he knew that you had a bunch of books in your hand. Like that was so kind. And then, you know, telling them to say thank you. I think that's the best way they see. Like the other day, our neighbor was outside and my husband brought some popsicles outside. And so then a few days later, the boys were like, can we take popsicles over to the neighbor's house? You know, cause they saw that and they saw, they heard the idea and they remembered it. I think that's the best way to learn things, you know, is just seeing, seeing other people do it and then, or pointing it out when you see it, when you're around the table at dinner, the conversations that you have, you can kind of hone in on like, what did you see that was kind today? How were you kind to someone at school today? How was someone kind to you and getting them to kind of think through their day with that lens of kindness so that they're, you know, they're looking for opportunities to be kind. And they're also like paying attention to what people are doing for them to be helpful so that they then get those ideas. Cause it is, it's such a hard thing to like teach without really modeling it. And I, I mean, I pick up on things all the time from my friends. Like I have a good friend who will constantly make cookies and things and take them to the neighbors and just seeing how invested she is in her, just her immediate neighbors is very inspiring to me to want to get to know my neighbors and kind of see that there is that potential community there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I'm starting to see our kids say thank you. Cause I feel like that's something that Alan and I try to do is to thank people when they help us. So I'm like, I'm starting to see that, but I don't point out that kind part that they did, like why we're saying thank you. And so I think that's a good, a good point is to like, make sure you talk to them about, Oh, did you notice that? You know, so they can start to see like, Oh, did you see how he held the door open for us? That was really nice. And you know, glad you said, thank you. So yeah. I like that part. Yep. Yeah. Just seeing that it people can go out of their way to be kind and it 
doesn't usually cost money and there are opportunities everywhere to be kind. You can get really creative with within your family and then within your school and within your community. It's awesome. Well, Ashley, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for all of the tips. I, I really love this idea of empowering kids and, and helping them solve their own problems, whether they be physical spills or, or trash <laughs> on the ground or emotional struggles, right? Like empowering them to solve problems and to figure themselves out. As an adult, I'm still doing that. But certainly <laughs> at this age, they need they need coaching to kind of get there, but they can get there often on their own if you just coach them in that direction. I see, yeah, I see yeah. on Instagram something recently that that was, I mean, this is just somebody's opinion, but they're like, that's one of the greatest gifts that you can give your kids is to teach them how to self-regulate and solve problems. Because really they're going to are going to be adults someday and they're going to have to take care of themselves. And so if they have these skills, I think life is just going to be so much easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Well, Ashley, if our listeners want to find you, where are you at? So my curriculum writing is called Counselor Station. I have um, an Instagram and Facebook for that called Counselor Station. My website is counselorstation.com. So any of those places. And then my books are available pretty much anywhere books are sold. But if you want to specifically look for them, you could check out Boys Town Press and they have all five of them there. So cool. That's awesome. I love that. Okay, great. Well, we'll put links to all of those in our show notes to make it easy. And uh, thank you for talking to us. Sure. Thanks for having me here today. This has been really nice.